Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Transfer News Central podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Johnny Bentley, and I'm back in the hot seat of, of course, obviously, James Prescott was um, the man in the presenting chair last week or, or two weeks ago. He was with our new recruit, Dale O'Donnell. Um, many people, including me, mistook him for Keith Andrews, but he is working for Sky. And, you know, we have our very own reputable Irish journalist uh, in our ranks. A very good guy. Great podcast. But this week, the new renovated show, from my perspective, uh, brings with it a man who's worked in uh, sports journalism for 20 years, well, over 20 years. Uh, East Coast Radio uh, was one of the main places that he worked, and he's covered pretty much everything there is to cover with football and other things, really. But thankfully for us, he's very keen on his football, and even more thankfully for us, he's decided to join me on my podcast. So, Andre Blowen. Yeah. You blow your trumpet more than I already do have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say this much. Um, I've worked in sport journalism for 26 years and covered, as you said, just about anything from whitewater rafting to polo to what have you. But uh, football, rugby union and cricket, I think my three biggest loves. And uh, we're chatting football tonight. So very excited about that. I'm very excited as well. Of course, it should, you're, you're a South African man. So I have to say you would have been very happy in the past few months with a certain rugby result uh, that left us English people slightly less than happy. Yeah, look, it was a great result. I mean, for the Springboks to have turned around, but was a decidedly sinking ship about two years ago um, to win that World Cup uh, in Yokohama, the final against England. It was a great result. Um, and since then, of course, the Sevens team also did quite well. They won the title in Dubai a couple of weeks back. So it's been a great year for South African rugby. They won the Rugby Championship, a tournament, of course, also involving Argentina, Australia and the mighty All Blacks. So, yeah, on the rugby front, it's been a fantastic year for South African rugby, no doubt. I was watching the final in, um, it, also worth mentioning, we're both uh, residents in China, so we're giving a bit of a, we're Eastern residents giving a view of Western sport, actually, for most of this. But um, I was watching this game in, in, in Brew Bar in Shenzhen, and um, hmm. South Africa were, uh, you know, I, I, you have to hold your hat off to them, they were fantastic. But uh, when South Africa won, they played um, the Shakira World Cup song, and all of them got up and they were dancing and they were loving. Honestly, they were South Africa was dominating the night of Shenzhen and people in South African jerseys walking around. I was wearing my Burnley football club jersey uh, for many of you uh, who know that I'm a Burnley fan. And um, they said, they said, who are you an Englishman? I said, no, I'm from, I tried to my best South African accent. No, I'm from South Africa. They said, no, he's a Burnley fan. He said, well, I, I can't use the words they said. But, um, you know, I imagine, did you did you have a few drinks that night? Look, I was actually, believe it or not, working. Yeah. Oh. So I missed the game I was teaching that night. Oh. Um, I missed it, but I, I had um, the internet flowing and kept on just checking to see what was happening. And mm-hmm. look, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I tipped the box to win it before the World Cup started. Um, mm-hmm. And I did expect them to win the final. What shocked me was the margin of victory. I expected a much tighter contest, to be honest. I mean, a, a brilliant defensive line, actually. From from, I'm not even the biggest of rugby fans, but you had to credit yeah. credit where credit's due. I mean, against New Zealand, England were just phenomenal, arguably against the best team in the world. But that South Africa deep blocking line was 
you know, it was outstanding. But anyway, of course, this is uh, people are thinking this isn't the rugby news central. This is <laughs> the transfer news central. So uh, I'll quickly segue into our topics of conversation that include Premier League, Serie A, Bundesliga, La Liga, a few Andre facts and news stories that he wants to entertain you with. And uh, maybe we can squeeze an anecdote from Andre later in the podcast. But first, I think we'll we'll look at the Premier League. We'll look at some of the Premier League teams. In fact, we'll look at the Champions League draw and how our Eng- some of our English teams uh, look set to uh, look set to approach their games. Um, City Real Madrid is a you know fantastic game in um, yeah. f- from both points of view, really uh, Spanish and English. I mean, that's a real mm-hmm. tie, clash of the giants. But also Liverpool Atletico, another England v English v Spanish team. Uh, Spurs uh-huh. Leipzig as well maybe doesn't quite look as mouthwatering but it should be because Leipzig mm. second in the Bundesliga Tottenham revitalised under Mourinho and Chelsea and Bayern Munich I mean another one where Bayern fourth in the Bundesliga but capable of sublime uh, performances and then Chelsea after months of excellent football slightly in decline I mean just those four ties alone Napoli Barcelona Dortmund PSG Atalanta Sevilla uh, Sevilla Atalanta Valencia sorry as well um, it's really thrown up some good ties, hasn't it? This uh, the European competition. It has. I mean, some really attractive fixtures in there. Shouldn't forget, Bayern have the leading scorer in the competition this season in Robert Lewandowski. And Bayern, yes, they aren't their dominant selves in the Bundesliga, but they've been in cracking form in Europe. And I think Chelsea could find that one difficult. Manchester City, a bit of a, a sneaky presence at City in their director of football, Chiqui Bagiri Stein, a man no stranger, of course, to Spanish football, but up against 13-time European champions. Could be a tough one for Pep Guardiola, another, of course, who's no stranger to Spanish football and a man who was a bit of a legend at the arch enemy across mm. the country, Barcelona. Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, Atletico, my favourite club in Spain, not having a great season. Um, no. I think we, yeah, I think we've seen in City. You know, my feeling is they're missing Vincent Kompany. I know he was injured a lot, but and Laporte player, as well. Yes, absolutely. But you know, Kompany was a player who, for my money, was able to read the game quite well. And Atletico have also lost quite an experienced defender in Diego mm-hmm. Gardien, who's now with Inter, mm-hmm. uh, not always starting for Inter. Uh, you mentioned as well um, the clash between Spurs and Leipzig. Leipzig playing in the Bundesliga tonight, in fact, against Dortmund. That's a cracking fixture. Um, yeah, look, I mean, in, in Mourinho, Spurs have a man who knows how to win in Europe. He won the title with Porto and, of course, with my beloved Inter in 2010. So some great ties in there. I think the fairy tale story, obviously, Atalanta from Bergamo up against the two-time runners-up Valencia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to dive in straight away. Actually, you meant uh, you obviously mm. got a love for Atletico Madrid, um, and I looked at Atletico, and with the troubles of Barcelona and Real Madrid this year, uh, well, I say troubles. I mean, by their high standards, they weren't quite in maybe the the structure uh, that that they have been in the past, where they just looked unstoppable. And I think we've seen mm. that so far this season. Both teams have fragilities. It looked like maybe. Maybe Atletico could pounce. I know they saw Griezmann, but they brought a fantastic young replacement in Injao Felix. Uh, I know they lost mm. Godin, but still have you know a very tight defence and what, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, mm. Fantastic midfield. Injao Felix, of course. Alvaro Morata somewhat looks better than he did at Chelsea. Yes, um, he does. But 
What I would say, I mean, I look at it, I think it's eight drills they've had this year, I think, in, yep. the, in, the, in the league domestically. And I think it was 18 goals in 17 games. I think it was mm. something like that, or just over a goal a game. And yep. yes, it is 18 goals in 17 La Liga matches. I mean, yeah, obviously one of your favourite teams in La Liga, but is there an argument Diego Simeone, even though he's got success with his style, sometimes is a little bit too pragmatic and maybe that stifles some of the attacking talents? Look, it's difficult to say. I mean, I, I think that as an Atletico fan, you can't really fault what Simeone's achieved over no. the last few seasons. I mean, um, Atletico have really done, I think, very well, considering that their budget isn't quite what they have at Real Madrid or Barcelona. Um, they've been very competitive now for four or five seasons, won the league once in that time, twice got to the Champions League final. So I think Simeone's done really well. He is a club man, played for the club, played for Inter, of course, as well in Serie A. But I, I would agree with you. I expected more from them this season. I did have a feeling that uh, Real and Barcelona would be a bit soft in the belly, maybe. Certainly the early stages of the season suggested that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Adetica just there's just been something not, not, not right this season. And for me, you know, you build success from the back. And I know Godin is, is, is past his best. He's, a, he's an aging player now. But sometimes, you know, you need that one player, even if his legs are going, who mm. can look at the game and sum it up and mm. know what needs to be done mentally. Mm. Really good point, actually. Um, and, mm. and you make a point about uh, you can't be too begrudging of Simeone's style because of what he's built at Atletico. And it's very much yes. reminiscent to my to my manager, Sean Dyche, and his very um, direct and defensive style, which sometimes gets complaints even from the Burnley fans, but they but they mm. know, you know, you can't really be too critical because he's done miracles with the club. And you, it's hard to imagine where my team would be without that man. And I, I suppose it's similar with uh, Atletico. It's hard to imagine what they would have done without, without this guy in charge, without this guy anchoring the ship. So that's always worth thinking about but but let's you you've we've we've sort of discussed that they've got a, a, they've been a little bit disappointing but i think if i was liverpool that would arguably be the team i wanted to face the least look liverpool at the moment i think are mm. most teams team they want to face the least yes I mean, they've got a fine fine pedigree in europe liverpool uh yes they haven't won the league title for 30 years but you know, they've always been a powerhouse in Europe. In my view, even during this draft, they've won the Champions League a couple of times, lost in the final once. Uh, and funny enough, of course, the final next year will be in Istanbul, the same venue where they won the mm. 2005 final, so famously against AC Milan. So for me, Liverpool is the team they all want to avoid. Mm. Yeah, Atletico is a tough match. Atletico is a good team. But, you know, at this stage of the competition, there aren't many weak teams. I mean, what are the other options? No. Uh, PSG, mm. Paris Saint-Germain, not a team mm. you want to play. Um, no. Maybe maybe Napoli is a team you want to play. Um, they've mm. been a bit fragile. Uh, Gattuso hasn't made a great start in Serie A. <laughs> and Gattuso is a bit of an un, you know, untested, untried manager. I was um, surprised when they went for Gattuso, actually. I know mm. Angelotti hadn't necessarily set the world on fire, leaving them. Done quite well yeah. in Europe, but domestically this season, very below standards. But yeah, Gattuso yeah. did surprise me and people were quite, other fans were mocking almost of it. I mean, he wasn't, yeah. he didn't exactly, um, again, he didn't exactly set the world on fire in, when he was manager in Milan, did he? Well, look, I think he took over a Milan club, or AC Milan, of course, and it's not confuse them mm. with Inter. Yes, yeah, sorry, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very much 
on the slide at the moment. They have won the Serie A title subsequent to Inter. 2011, they did that. Mm. But um, whereas Inter, I think, over the last couple of seasons have shown a tendency to get a bit better under their Chinese owners, uh, Milan have been a bit, for me, like a rudderless ship, you know. Um, mm. I, I haven't seen any real build or solid progress there. Where at least as an Inter fan, I think over the last couple of seasons, I have seen a degree of the club getting back to where it should be. Of course, we all know that at the moment, well, until this season, at least it's been a one-man show. The old lady from Turin, Juventus, just too good for everyone. But uh, yeah, Gattuso surprised me a bit as well. But he is a combative character, <laughs> the kind of man who calls yes. a spade a spade. And maybe Napoli needs someone. You know, Ancelotti is notorious for being a nice guy. I think mm. a two so is the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I think he yes. pretty much calls it the way he likes to call it, and that's straight from the hip, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Barcelona obviously progressing uh, to play against Napoli, so that should be an interesting game, and I'm sure Gattuso will have his players fired up for that one. But uh, obviously, you talk about Inter, and I actually new manager Antonio Conte. Uh, I have a lot of love for Conte. I thought he was breath of fresh air when he came to England. I thought he took the Premier League by storm in his first season, really, playing quite defensive, many people said, but I thought really well tactically drilled Chelsea. He built a really well tactically drilled Chelsea team that managed to uh, work with the deficiencies that it clearly had at, at right mm. wing back and left wing back. Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses weren't necessarily two names that you thought should have been, uh, would yeah. have been an integral part of a title winning team, but they were, they played their fair share, their fair part in that in that title winning success in his first season. Didn't quite work out for him in the second season, but his passion, his his you know, the way he got his players to run every blade of grass, you know, and Kante definitely helped in that re- in that regard. But I thought the way he managed to tactically adapt, I suppose, because he, he did he did make the back three quite revolutionary in England um, because then other other clubs started using it uh, after seeing the successes that it provided. I had a lot of love for Conte and I was quite sad when he did leave. But mm. one th- blemish that's always been on his report has been in Europe, in, whereas mm. domestically he's always done quite well. He did really well with Juventus, did really well with Chelsea. Second season, you argue, I, I think really the board let him down more than anything else. Mm. So I wouldn't blame him too much there. But now are joint top of uh, Serie A, I believe. Yep. Um, uh, only second to uh, the leadership events on goal difference. Um, so he's doing really well domestically, but that was a really poor... To lose the final game in the group stages to a Barcelona B team, really, which it was, uh, who had no real significant motivation for having to win that game, uh, whereas Inter had all the motivation to win and they just couldn't do it. That's... You've got to bring that into uh, Conte's European success into question there, surely. First up, I'm like you. I'm a big uh, Conte fan. When I saw Inter engaging the services of Antonio Conte, I was very excited. I thought straight away they mean business and they've spent a lot of money. Um, perhaps still a play or two short. I know there's mm. interest or talk of interest in Marcus Alonso at Chelsea. and That mm. certainly would add a bit of defensive um, strength to Inter at the back. I'm a, I'm a Marcus Alonso fan. Um uh, yeah, Conte's record in Europe isn't great. Um, but as I said, I'm an admirer. I'm not a, the kind of guy who cares about flamboyant football. You know, people talk about coaches playing too defensively. For me, it's about putting trophies on the shelf. Uh, I remember Fabio Capello getting sacked by Real Madrid once after winning the league. Uh, Bobby Robson at Barcelona, I think, won the Winners' Cup in 96 and they sacked him because of the style mm. of football. For me, it's mm. about, you know, putting trophies um, um, on, on the shelf. 
I mean, even when Mourinho was at Inter, there was talk about him playing a, a very simple, direct football, boring football, but it worked. I mean, <laughs> they, they beat Barcelona for all their, their craft and their, their, mm. their, their guile and their, their fluency. Um, I'm a big Conte fan. I do think he's perhaps still a player short, you know, and um, he's had a big job at Inter. They've not been title challengers really for the, almost a decade in, in no. effect. Um, so I think he's made a big impact. Um, yeah, look, there were a couple of really poor results in, in Europe. Um, this defeat to Barcelona at home at San Siro against effectively a B team was a very poor result. And also, I think, dropping points in the first game of the campaign against Slavia Prague, it also wasn't great. And look, mm. the thing with Conte, as you mentioned, every blade of grass. That's the way he likes to play, high tempo, 90 minutes, balls to the wall kind of stuff. And I think sometimes, you know, some coaches are a bit more pragmatic. They will maybe if they are winning a game, say, okay, for the next for the for the last 15 minutes, just control the game, take your foot off the pace. I don't think Conte is that kind of coach, that kind of manager. I think he likes to play 90 minutes and just go for it, which with a squad perhaps lacking one or two players could be an issue. And yeah, I'm gonna mention his advice to his players, which I picked up in a French magazine lately. Well, recently, L'Equipe was last month. Uh, when he advised the players, his inter-players, to ensure that their sex, sexual exploits are kept short, to not uh, waste too much energy during the season, during competitive games, <laughs> uh, to ideally spend uh, their sexual energy with their wives, because when you're with your wife, performance isn't that important. And how Mrs. Conte feels about that, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she'd be too happy. No, uh, and uh, Conte no. went as far as to say that uh, the player should be underneath, the underneath position, as it requires the least energy, which I thought was very interesting insights into just how yeah. committed Antonio Conte is to saving energy for the football yes. pitch. Yes, I mean, incredible. Uh, not just a, a management a managerial expert, but also a sexual expert, uh, yes, Conte, very way, much showing. <laughs> very versatile man, very versatile yes. man. And the amount of energy Conte puts on the touchline in every game, certainly when I've seen him, he kicks every ball as well. So I imagine uh, he's saving himself a lot of energy by doing exactly what he advised yeah. his squad to do as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, I think. Uh, I mean, I watched the, the highlights of that game. And if Inter, if Lukaku in particular had taken his chances, they would have sailed yeah. past that Barcelona B team. So even though mm. there is... Um, a question mark which will be brought up by Conte's critics about but can he do it in Europe it will still remain there of course into now in the mm. Europa League uh, about to play Ludogorets but yeah no I, th I think if you, if you actually watch the game you know he just he, he needs his he needs his strikers to finish off the chances I mean uh, Lukaku really could have had a hat trick and then we wouldn't be talking about this we'd be talking about Inter in the Champions League but as it is, that's just the way it is. That's the way the cookie crumbles. And, uh, you know, the domestic form that they're currently um, showcasing, I think, is enough evidence to show yeah. why the board were right to appoint mm. uh, a man of, of his ilk. But just going back to the Champions League, actually. So, we, yeah. you know, Atletico, we said, well, I think would be a, I say a tough game for Liverpool because in the sense that Liverpool would love a team to try and attack them. You know, I think they thrive mm -hmm. against someone like Real Madrid or Barcelona, even like they have done in yeah. the past, because they have, they're going to leave spaces in behind where the likes of Firmino, Mane and Salah can just kill them. Mm -hmm. And with Atletico, I did think that if they go 1-0 at their own stadium, Atletico, then 
going to Anfield and playing for a nil-nil, it could become quite a tough two-legged affair for Liverpool. Of course, you come back with the point that Liverpool can beat anyone, which is absolutely true. Especially Um, in Europe. Yes, especially in Europe. But could that defensive rear guard get Atletico through against the European champions over two legs? Or do you think that, again, like, like you alluded to before, Liverpool should just be confident against whoever they play? Look, I'd love Atletico to go through, being a fan. <laughs> yes. Uh, but realistically, uh, in my book, Liverpool are the favourites to win that tie. Um, yes. They've got the know-how in Europe. They're a team on the up. Um, defending champions. Look, it's hard to defend. That's the one thing that may mm. count against them. Uh, but their premiership form is excellent. And maybe at the latter stages, if they have a big lead or the prem- or the premiership title sewn up, they could afford to rest some players on weekends, have them fresh for the... Champions League action in midweek. That could also be a big advantage for Liverpool. Mm. Uh, that front three you mentioned, they're class players and they know one another quite well now, having spent a few seasons together. Um, you know, for me, um, as big a, a fan as I am of Atletico, uh, for me, Liverpool are the favourites by by a clear margin to progress from mm. that time, sure. I think it would be a, it would be against the Ultra Atletico to win, but it shouldn't be ruled out, I don't think, because you know, of, of their abilities at holding on to a lead and shutting teams out. But mm. we will wait mm. and see. And obviously Liverpool will still probably fancy themselves, even though there could be a potential banana skin on the cards. But another English team, of course, that has Champions League aspirations, Manchester City, seemingly mm. struggling in the league a little bit, but really confident 4-1 win on their final group game, uh, Manchester City. Uh, I think it was Gabriel Jesus' hat-trick as well. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And Phil Foden looked really impressive. I think that was against Shakhtar, didn't it? Yeah, Shakhtar, yeah. yeah. I think it was Shakhtar, yeah. Um, so a really commanding finish. And, uh, you know, when, and City absolutely annihilated Arsenal at the weekend. I mean, when they are on form, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, oh. arguably the best midfielder in the world, maybe. Uh, certainly in the league, when he's on his, when he's on form, just an absolute delight mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, Sterling, one of the best wide players in Europe now, I think, no question. Um, Aguero, always you know season after season delivers the goods as injured at the moment but then you get Gabriel mm. Jesus to come in who's mm. also a very capable man up top then you've got Bernardo Silva brilliant player David Silva so much experience mm-hmm. Fernandinho Rodri's come in done well they've got deficiencies Man City at the moment but obviously as the Champions League gets to the latter stages they probably have Laporte back they might have signed a new centre-back I mean they are very much up there aren't they as, as, as contenders for the European trophy as well I would say so. They've had a few cracks at it. And sometimes it does take a club with a lesser European pedigree a while to find their feet, you know, mm. in, in continental competition. I always fancy a club first winning something domestically and then, you know, um, having the confidence to really tackle the big stage. Liverpool have shown us that isn't always necessary with a yes. couple of Champions League titles despite not winning the league. So it's not always a prerequisite, but... You know, for me, uh, I find clubs often tend to do well in the domestic league first, build confidence that way, and then go and star on the biggest stage. City have had a few cracks at it. Um, I'm quite flabbergasted by their premiership form, perhaps the loss of Compagnie. Um, you know, as I say, for me, he was, a, although he was often injured, he was one of those talismanic figures who I think, or talismanic figures, who I think could read the game well, Vincent Compagnie. I think he could even sit next to the field and, and get a good insight and maybe contribute at half time and so forth. I think he's a very good reader of the game. 
But um, in Europe, look, they've been good this season, really good in Europe. Um, Real Madrid, tough nuts to crack. I mean, 13 titles. Mm. There's a reason why mm. they've won it the most times. They have real good know-how. Yes. Um, but for me, Manchester City, Real Madrid is a bit less clear-cut than Liverpool, Atletico, Madrid. And I'm sad to say that. I just think that uh, Atletico, for me, aren't showing enough to, to get no. past Liverpool. With Manchester no. City... Um, I, you know, this is the tie I think they could pull off. I really think they could. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it is a tough one to go because neither team, I know Real Madrid are second, uh, mm-hmm. with an El Clasico to come, which should be interesting. We'll touch Tomorrow, on that in a second. Yeah. Yes, but you'd argue, even though they're second and City are uh, third at the moment, uh, I'd imagine they'll finish second at the end of the season at the very least. But even though uh, Real Madrid would go top, I think, with a, with a win. Neither team are, are at that absolute untouchable best, I don't think. Neither team are where they really, truly want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, both teams have deficiencies, but I'm sure, it, sure it'll be a cracking game nonetheless, something we'll, that everyone will be really looking forward to. Then you've got Spurs, Leipzig, Chelsea, Bayern, Munich, obviously Napoli, Barcelona, we've touched on those teams a little bit. And I think I'll just go back to Chelsea, Bayern, actually. I mean, we, we, we I was talking about... Bayern Munich, fourth domestically, but I've seen them in a few mm. games this season. I saw them absolutely annihilate, in fact, bully Borussia Dortmund. Mm. Um, bully, I mean, it was, um, they just uh, replaced their manager. Coach, yeah. Yes, mm, manager. Um, because he wasn't doing very well. Um, mm. And I, th- I, th- I think... Uh, they just went. I, I, I always forget what the new guy's called. I wrote an article on him. Can we remember? Was it? Yeah, it also escapes me now. The new guy does escape. Yes, me. yes. I will have. Anyway, he was. He when he first came to the fort, he he just went back. He wasn't concerned with with his passing philosophy or doing this or doing. Mm-hmm. He was concerned about getting arrogant Bayern back to back to what they wanted. I think uh, mm-hmm. because Bayern Munich of, of old just used to trounce teams in their way. They bully the opposition that they'd make them squeal almost and when I saw mm-hmm. them play Dortmund it really was men against boys they were knocking mm-hmm. it long to Lewandowski for the first 20 minutes just to get the ball mm-hmm. up the pitch they weren't trying anything fancy and then when they went one two three nil up they were just toying with them and you know you mm-hmm. thought how is and I look at that and then they beat you know we saw them actually um um before before um their manager was sacked actually they saw him um they beat Tottenham uh, 7-2 and then they've just beaten Wolfsburg, uh, sorry, Werder Bremen 6-1 mm-hmm. and Coutinho was incredible. I mean, three hat-trick mm-hmm. and two assists. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on their day they're incredible but they're still having little blips, little issues and I guess when you lose talismanic figures like Robin Ribery and then, mm-hmm. you know, with Muller uh, initially starting the season in the background, it, it, that's a lot of personality out of the team, isn't it? I guess, where 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 do we see, where do we see that one going? I mean, Chelsea in decline a little bit at the moment. Young players everywhere starting so well, maybe getting a sense of reality a little bit at the moment. Where do we see that tie going? Do you think? Look, my money's on Bayern. Um, mm. Lewandowski, top scorer in the competition of the season, and you know Lewandowski knows where the net is. Bayern for me on their day. I know it's been inconsistent on their day top three club in Europe. Um, they've yeah. been so consistent in the Champions League over the last 30, 40 years. Mm. Um, you know, really class club, well-run club for the most part. Um, yeah, not great in the Bundesliga this season. We've become used to them dominating it almost to the point of boredom at times. Um, you know, uh, 
Very true. But but for me at, at the moment, I mean Chelsea are that's that's a that's a side with real promise. I think there's a couple of youngsters mm. in there, players who can go far uh, if if they correctly managed, if they stay injury free. I think a team of real potential. I just think that right now there's just a bit too much um, know-how and a bit too much class uh, in the Bayern mm. Bayern lineup mm. for Chelsea mm. to get past that. Well, I think I'll give Bayern a few headaches, most definitely. Yes. But uh, I do think that that Bayern will just have a bit too much, shall we say, know-how for for that particular Chelsea team right now. Yes, Hans Flick as well was the uh, guy, who, the man who took over from Niko mm. Kovac. Again, uh, my mm. mind just went to mush. I blame it on waking up at half past six and having to teach some crazy kindergarten <laughs> yeah. kids. But, I uh, know the feeling. Yes, man. we both oh, know the gosh. feeling. We both actually work in uh, education within China at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, except the opposite. The opposites, really, because um, Andre did sport for such a long period of his life and then did this, whereas I've started with this with the intention to follow a similar path to wit to that of Andre. So mm. we'll see how that one goes. Very interesting that actually as an That's exterior so factor. Mate. That's so different. Eh? Yes, oh. uh, I, I know. I've already, from the experiences I've already had, I, I know it's very different. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Hans Flick, Niko Kovac. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was surprised, actually, Bayern didn't make a move for Maurizio Pochettino. I mean, they've got a lot of young players themselves. And um, mm. maybe they're still weighing that one of Hans Flick doing fairly well at the moment, steadying the ship, mm. I guess, a little bit. But, uh, you know, Pochettino, of course, very good CV that he... Um, yep. Anchor for himself at Spurs and also very good at Southampton where he where he uh, initially started his reputation for being uh, a good manager with younger players. But um, of course, yes, I think I think just on the Chelsea thing, you mentioned a really good young team. Um, is this a really good young team that needs some investment in January or would you suggest maybe a bit of caution with regards to throwing lots of money at the, uh, at the and hoping for the best? Look, it's a tough one. You know, January, looking back, I'm not always convinced January works, spending big in January. Um, mm. It takes the player a while to settle. Mm. Um, I think sometimes you, if you have an injury crisis, maybe a loan move in January is a good idea. Mm. You get a player on board on a loan yeah. maybe and and, mm. and, and and see how he performs before you make a long-term investment. Um, do Chelsea need to sign? It's a tough one, you know. Um, maybe if they can find an experienced player, Um at, at a reasonable reasonable price. Look, I don't know what, what the budget looks like there right now. I mean, they've 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 not been shy to spend in the past. Um, no. But my my feeling is, and I don't have the stats to back me up. Just my gut feel over the past twenty odd years, that January signings for me often don't really work. Um, no, you know, I think my earliest memory was as a as a youngster, as an Aston Villa fan. I think they signed Tony Cascarino at some point in the 80s when mm. they were challenging for the title and mm. didn't really seem to make an impact. And that well, it's worth mentioning me. to our listeners that Andre supports about 25 teams. So uh, if you're hearing, <laughs> if you're hearing well, Aston Villa, and, I, I actually have one in most of the leagues. Um, in, yes. in England, it's Aston Villa in the Premiership. In Scotland, oh my gosh, I support Hearts. Oh, oh God, no. no. Well, I mean, at least at least it shows you're not a complete glory hunter, you know. I mean, uh, sporting Hearts and and and, um, and Aston Villa, but even Inter, yeah. really, arguably. Well, did you support Inter when Jose Mourinho arrived, or was that something no, that? No, I supported Inter since 1985. Wow, there you go. An interesting yes. fact about 1985: mm. the Serie A title in 1985 was won by Hellas Verona. 
There you go. That's a bit like that's a bit like Leicester City winning the Premiership a few years ago. I know. So. I, I imagine so. Unusual. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Yes, very unusual. Um, yeah. I actually wrote an, on the topic of the Chelsea thing. I actually wrote an article suggesting a few weeks ago that it would be silly to stop the youngsters who were doing so well in their tracks by by going crazy and signing all these mm. big money players. I suggested yeah. that in actual fact. In the summer, where you can really assess which areas need the the investment, it'd be more sensible. You could probably get players cheaper as well because teams yeah. know that you're not as desperate. In January, I think, uh, as you kind of alluded to, you do look a little bit more desperate, don't you, if you're going crazy in January, that, oh, we need to fix a problem. In the summer, mm -hmm. you could be thinking, oh, we could do this and we could do this. It's more yeah. relaxed. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of buying in January. Um my experience, just my own experience, what I've seen over the years suggests that if you're going to make a change in January, it should be maybe injury enforced. And again, if it's an absolute bargain buy, uh, even then, maybe bring the player on board on loan, assess the player, see if he's hungry, if he settles well. And if a player does settle well, then when the summer comes, you try and make the move permanent. That's just my guy. But if you if you have a, an injury crisis, then sometimes you have to address it, especially you know if there isn't anything within the club. I mean, yeah, Chelsea have been linked. Well, Chelsea did a January signing of Fernando Torres for £50 million, which wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily the best one. No. But I can no. look quite close to home uh, with that. But um, what I would say is that uh, they've been linked They've been linked with Zahar for £80 million, Sancho for £100 million, And I guess, really, the youngsters are on trial a little bit at the moment, aren't they? In, in a sense that they've got until January to prove that two yeah. Lampards proved to the board that actually we can stand up because they have had a little slide at the moment. Uh, they mm. lost to Bournemouth. Um, they lost to West Ham, both at home, both 1-0. Yeah. And it, in particular with Bournemouth, it felt like the, the tempo had slowed down a bit. The, the, yeah. the press had slowed down a little bit. Um, so I guess really the onus is on those players now uh, to show to their managers, to show to the board that they can carry on playing as they did earlier in the season because if the results continue to slide and maybe yeah. they even fall out of the top four before January, then suddenly you're thinking, hang on, maybe we do need to approach January with quite a big um, cash tank. I think the, the great thing about youngsters is they play with enthusiasm for the most part. Maybe a Mario Balotelli is, a, is, is an <laughs> exception to the rule. But I think often as a youngster, I mean, I think back to myself and it depends from person to person, but you know, you, 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 you run your guts out for the team. Um, mm. But sometimes I think youngsters also do find it a bit hard to pace themselves over a season. They mm. don't quite have that know-how yet. They don't know their bodies as well yet, you know, what they can and cannot do. Some of them might still be learning a lot about nutrition and sports psychology. Um, you know, so I think youngsters give you great passion, but one or two older heads just to kind of – you know, steer the ship and, and provide the parameters of what needs to be done also necessary. And Chelsea, maybe, maybe one old head short. Um, but I think they're done pretty well and they've got some really promising players, truly. For sure. I think actually just to touch on, um, I was going to move on to El Clasico, but I know we just talked about mm. Liverpool and their chances in, uh, against Atletico. But quite a funny story with Liverpool, with Liverpool coming, up this week. coming up this week. Is, um, is the 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 scenario about the Club World Cup and the um, and the Carabao Cup uh, quarter final mm -hmm. uh, that they that they have to play? Of course, they play exactly. Aston Villa, your team, yeah. in the Carabao Cup quarter final, but also mm -hmm. have to send a squad to um, Qatar, I think, to mm -hmm. play. Um, who are they playing? I've got this noted down somewhere. Actually, uh, it's not. Yeah, of course, in the Club World Cup, it's a very, it's a very strange scenario. Where it's the, it's the winners of the Champions League, the winners of uh, other uh, competitions across the world that come together and basically crown 
the champion of the world. But, uh, oh, Monterey, Monterey. They play Monterey in Qatar. So that should be an interesting game. But um, I think that's live on the BBC as well. So power to free sport in the UK. But interesting they had- that you mentioned that competition. Um, when Inter won it, they beat a team from, from Africa, DR Congo, yeah. TP really? Mazembe. Yes, well, the Zembe are, are, are a well um, a well supported club financially in the DRC. Of course, a country torn apart by all kinds of civil wars and disputes over diamonds and uh, Ebola outbreaks and all kinds of horrible things. But a beautiful country. I've never been there, but beautiful forests and so forth. And interesting enough, when Inter won that competition, the Club World Cup, they 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 beat TP Mazembe, the African club, in the final. Quite a big upset it was having an African club. To get mm. through to that final. Well, I think it, I think it's something like I think they get teams from well as I say all over the world. I think it's the winners of the AFC Champions League. I think they get put into this uh, scenario. Yeah, I think uh, yes, I think African they get Champions League for sure. Yes, uh, I think it's normally also the North American, the Concacaf yes. Champions. So it's yes, almost it is. It is a Mexican, s- yeah, almost inevitably a Mexican club. Yes, yes, it is. And yes, and also yes. the South American South Champions. American. It would either be Flamengo, the current Copa Libertadores champions, or the previous season's Copa Libertadores champions. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know Flamengo did the double this year. They won the yeah. Brazilian League title and the Copa Libertadores beating River Plate in the final. Yeah, well, I think it's nice, actually, that Liverpool has taken a full squad there, to be fair, because, uh, you know, in theory, this should be one of the biggest tournaments. I know it's not, but mm-hmm. this is crowning the world champion, isn't it? The club world cup. So it's, I'm glad they are taking it with some seriousness. They are mm-hmm. playing the under-23s against Aston Villa, I think. The under-23 squad are playing against Aston Villa, which is mm-hmm. quite remarkable. Very big upset if they manage to beat you know, an established Premier League team, which I really can't see happening. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's ridiculous, isn't it, that the, the, that the people who are in charge of fixtures couldn't find any way to avoid this scenario. It's bizarre, isn't it? It should not happen. Yeah, it shouldn't, but, you know, there's so much football being played at the moment. And you mentioned that, you know, Liverpool are going to go with a weakened squad. But even Villa sitting 17th in the Premiership, you know, and there was a time when the Cups were very important. And I think they still are to a point. But even their players will be thinking, you know, what's more important to our pockets? Uh, relegation from the Premiership and what that entails or, or winning the League Cup, you know. Mm. So even Villa may be going into that with not quite full commitment. But against the under-23s squad, you would imagine... You, you would, you would, you would. There should be enough know-how in, in the Villa team and quality to to overcome under 23s. But you know, Liverpool, <laughs> um, you know, they 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 a club that's very much, I think, on the up at the moment, and and they probably have some decent talent in that squad. Uh, fantastic youth. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, coming through just shows yeah. um, that they do have absolute ta- some absolute talents uh, at their disposal, and uh, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure they have a lot of academy products that will be, you know, jumping at the chance to try and make an impact on that game. Um, yeah, playing at Villa Park. Villa Park is a very famous old ground in England. Some big matches have been decided there. It's hosted many um, FA Cup semi-finals over the years. And uh, so for, I think for any youngster to run out at Anfield or at Villa Park, two such famous venues, it's going to be a big incentive for them. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting watch, I think, that's for sure, because, it, you know, it's a huge, it's probably the biggest game, well, it is the biggest game of their lives, I think, uh, for med- for all of the uh, under-23s that will be playing, so it'll be interesting to see how they do. Now, we talked about Napoli, actually, earlier, and uh, their ex-manager, Carlo Ancelotti, looks set to take the reins at Everton 
after Duncan Ferguson had been in charge of two games, four points out of six. Controversy, actually, as I was talking to you about yesterday, mm. uh, I was saying to you yesterday about uh, Moise Keane, £36 million youngster, hasn't really impressed under Marco Silva, struggled, brought on in the second half um, against uh, Manchester United, then brought off. Um, and then as he's brought off, Duncan Ferguson just just mm. ignores him uh, and then tells the media that it was just done to waste time. I mean, that's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, you can't... I mean, he's got a lot of criticism for this, but what I think might have happened, I feel like he's he, he's probably, you know, he's probably frustrated, but, you know, by all accounts, uh, Moise Keane wasn't making, having much of an impact on the game. It was 1-1. He wasn't mm. maybe running as much as his teammates where he looked a bit lethargic, he looked a bit... Oh, not quite at the races, uh, but he had been brought on. So, uh, you know, again, you wouldn't expect that from him. So then the manager takes him off, looks very frustrated. Uh, it still seems quite harsh because it's, you know, it's very humiliating to take a player off, yep. especially a young player after, after, after bringing him off the bench and then to bring him back off. It's, uh, it's quite humiliating, but then to say in the media that it was down to time wasting, that's just, that's a, that, just, that just makes him look really silly, doesn't it? I mean, he, he takes him off, he's making this big decision and then he can't go through to, and say to the media why he's made the big decision. It's, it's like he's, he's, he's trying to show I've got big balls and then when he goes into the media, it's it's just, he doesn't show that. I imagine because he doesn't want, he feels that he doesn't want to um, really crucify the young player and, you know, condemn him for his performance, but it makes him look, it made him look weak, didn't it? Well, look, Duncan Ferguson is a, it's a combative character. Yeah. You think back to when he, to when he played. I mean, <laughs> he, he wasn't the easiest man to mark. Be, I think before my time, Andre, him, I'll, I'll take your yeah. judgment for that. Yeah, he was he was, he was a physical man uh, on, yeah. on the on the field. And look, you know, being a manager is quite a different kettle of fish in that you face the media, and sometimes as an assistant, you don't always get put in that in that in that, in that limelight, no. you know. Mm. Um, and and some managers actually go for coaching, public speaking coaching, and how to deal with the media. Whether he's had that, I don't know. You know, I think it's a tough one. If as a manager you put a player on the field, no matter what age, and you see he's lackluster, not interested, you jerk him off. I would, I honestly would. Yeah. If I put a youngster on and I see he's running his socks off and maybe a couple of poor touches, I'll leave him on because I can see this passion. So for me, as 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 a mature man, I would look at what the player is doing. A poor touch here and there when he's playing with passion, I'll forgive that and I will not jerk him off. Mm. If he goes on and he doesn't seem to want to be on the pitch, he's off. Mm. In my view, he's off. If mm. you don't want to play for the colours, then you must go. No, um, so sure. for me, it's a tough one. Maybe he should have been. I didn't see the press conference. Maybe he should have been consistent. Um, mm. But again, maybe you know he jerked him off and then thought to himself, look. I've punished him. I pulled him off. I'm not going to crucify him in the media. So for me, you know, weakness is a difficult thing to judge. It depends what motivated him. You know, mm. maybe in the moment he thought the team is suffering. This youngster doesn't want to play. Off he goes. Mm. Make an example of him. Show the other players I won't tolerate this kind of lack of passion. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, when it came to facing the media, the player has been punished once. So why boot him twice, you know? Yes, I, I guess I can, I can that, see that. That's my feeling on it, maybe, you know. That's why I, what I think he might have done as well. But yeah. regardless, Carlo Ancelotti now suddenly seems to be the man they're pursuing and it looks like he might be Everton manager uh, very soon. Um, my thoughts on this, actually, I think similar to Manuel Pellegrini when he joined West Ham, you can say Pellegrini's been disappointing with results, but what he has been able to give West Ham is a platform to get higher-profile players in. 
like Haller from Frankfurt. Um, and it was um, Haller and Jovic, I think, two the two men mm-hmm. who, who contributed so many goals to Frankfurt last season. To get someone of Haller's uh, goal-scoring capabilities in was a, was a big coup for them. They've also yeah. been able to bring in, uh, I think Yarmolenko was under Pellegrini. They got Wilshire, he's not been particularly good, but he was a big name nonetheless. And in a sense, they've been able to bring in, uh, I think, Fornals as well, Papa Fornals. Right, but I think but, your point is taken. You know, sometimes if you get a manager with a proven track record, it is easier to attract players because they look at the manager and they yeah. think, yeah, this guy's done it before and I can learn from him and potentially win something. Absolutely. And I think with that as well, uh, you see that with Pellegrini and pe- people are quick to criticise Pellegrini for not having the tactical truck, not having the motivational sort of characteristics to get his players up for certain games. But he has brought them through the door. So that's half of the uh, job almost. Uh, mm. I don't think he'll be there long, actually, to be fair. Uh, Pellegrini. Pellegrini. I think he, no, mm. I don't. I think he there's too many inconsistencies it's too many times I've seen West Ham play and think you know are the players really up for it are they do they have the motivation they actually look up for bigger games often more than they do against the likes of mm-hmm. uh, Burnley my team and, and another and uh, you know the the team the teams at the bottom end Newcastle Crystal Palace etc um, but I think I get the sense that Carlo Ancelotti might be a bit like that for Everton I feel like they've struggled to get that higher calibre player in and I think someone like Ancelotti in the door will give them that access to the players that they really want. Maybe, maybe. Well, they were linked with Wilf, Wilfred Zahar and they couldn't quite get it over the door. I think that was more due to other mm. other restrictions as opposed to the manager. But yeah. players of the Zahar ilk, players of who we think, oh, you know, he could really enhance this team. He could really take us to the next level. Those kind of players will now look at Everton as a viable prospect with with someone like mm. Ancelotti at the helm. But you know, Ancelotti's a manager that's always been surrounded by top class world class players world class squads and he's often gone from club to club by munich chelsea and AC milan real madrid psg he's been everywhere and he's always mm-hmm. done well he didn't do well at Bayern munich but he's largely done quite well where he's been with the players he's had and it's almost like he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's a quite relaxed man and he just sort of says go and play you know enjoy yeah. yourselves go and yeah. play do your thing i'm not sure whether that will wash at everton in a sense, because it's not like he's coming in with a tactical master plan wherever he goes. It's more a sense that he makes the players happy, gives them a happy environment, lets them enjoy themselves, lets them play. And that does work, I think, at many of the big clubs. But when Everton might need a, a tactical mastermind or someone to really push them forward, I don't know if he'll manage to do that, but I think he'll get the players in that will help them in you know in the future. I, I don't know what you think about that. Look, I think Everton are a bit like Aston Villa. You know, they're clubs mm-hmm. with good traditions, solid traditions. And they have fans, I think, every season when the season starts, think they can win something. And I think... I've got a few friends era, who, who who are Everton fans who back yeah. up that sentiment. I think some of them yeah, were saying think, top four this season. I was going, well, what? What are you doing? Let's not forget, about? no club has spent more seasons in the top flight in England nope. than Everton. Nope. That's a fine yep. record. No it, it best that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned earlier in 1985 that Verona, Hellas Verona, not Kiev, Verona, Hellas Verona won the Serie A title in 1985. And I think Everton were champions of England in 1985. So I think with both Everton and, and Villa, as a fan, because your club's done it before, because they have fine traditions, you start the season thinking maybe we can win something. Okay. And I think in the modern era, you know, with the big budgets, look, it's 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 flaring a bit now with the financial fair play and so forth. You don't have these patriarchs 
spending millions or billions the club doesn't have, uh, like a Massimo Moratti, for example, at Inter or a Silvio Berlusconi at AC Milan, who spent millions and the clubs were losing tons of money, but they're being bailed out by funds and all kinds of stuff. Um, I just think that, you know, Everton are a fine club with a fine tradition, uh, but they don't quite have the budget, like Villa, no. I think, to to really consistently challenge for honours. And I think mm. because of the fine histories, uh, a supporter of an Everton or an Aston Villa perhaps always starts the season thinking something magical can happen mm. because it has in the past. Um, now, I just think at the moment, uh, both Villa and Everton are quite a few players shy of making something like that happen, to be honest. Uh, Ancelotti uh, first cut his teeth at Palmer, if memory serves mm. me right, in the 1990s, mm. a pretty mm. decent Palmer side that, that pushed the big clubs hard in, 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 in Italy in the 90s and won a few European titles too, not not the championship, but uh, I think there was the Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Cup a few times. Mm. I think Ancelotti is a good man in the sense that um, he does have uh, proven success behind him. Mm. The budget at Everton perhaps won't be quite what he's used to. Um, I think even Napoli would have a better budget than 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 yes. um, Everton. Napoli under De Laurentiis, I think the the the, the chairman is there, quite a controversial character too, Aurelio De Laurentiis, I think. But uh, you know, for me, he's a good man to go for because he will attract good players, and he may just have the know-how to steady the ship. You know. Mm. No, for sure. I think it's a certainly a more appetising appointment than David Moyes or Sam Allardyce would have been, uh, for sure. Well, um, Moyes is a club legend. I mean, let's make no mistake. He, his record at Everton was excellent. It was. Uh, Sam it Allardyce, was. But even big, even Big Sam, Big Sam has a has a reputation for coming in and fixing things. Um, but yeah. I do think that he has a reputation of, for getting into trouble as well. He does, he does. Um, but of those three, Allardyce, Moyes and Ancelotti, I probably would also go for Ancelotti, although he may cost a bit more than Moyes would cost. That's the one thing, you know. You yes. could probably get David Moyes at a cheaper wage and invest in an extra player. Uh, you but can Ancelotti, bring Yakubu back. I mean, let's bring yeah. the whole team back. Mm. But look, I mean, Ancelotti, is, 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 is a, is, he'd be, I think, a bit of a coup for Everton, to be honest. Yes, um, absolutely. He's, no. he's a quality, quality manager. Good player with AC Milan back in the 90s. Yeah, certainly would bring uh, some some stature to, to, shall we say, the, oh, I mustn't say this too loudly, the smaller club in Liverpool. Yes, 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 uh, or, for or, sure. Or should I reserve that for Tranmere Rovers? You could probably reserve it for both, actually. Uh, uh, I'm I, sure I, that's I mustn't fine. say that. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Like yes, Birmingham, yes. The city in, in Birmingham? I often, I'm living in China, actually, so I can afford to be controversial. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I often actually think um, uh, my I work as I said to you before. I work with a South African colleague at, at my work, and uh, you both remind me of Jurgen Klopp. I don't know why. Uh, maybe the maybe the mannerisms or the voice or something. You've got this charisma, South African charisma, and it does seem to does seem to tie with Jurgen Klopp. Anyway, um, you know that's why you, that's why you're so convinced Liverpool will beat Atletico because you've got this secret loving with Klopp. But back to uh, management and. Uh, <laughs> Of course, we have Everton. We just talked about Everton, actually, and Arsenal also uh, without a manager, but could be set to appoint Mikel Arteta if the reports are said to be believed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, Unai yeah, Emery was... an Everton legend, eh? Yeah, no, yeah, actually, very true, actually. And and you wouldn't have been surprised if it, the roles had been reversed and Arteta had been the one linked to Everton and Ancelotti yeah. with Arsenal. But yeah. um, this is the way it is. Um, 
I mean, with Ancelotti, I mean, he's got no managerial experience, um, and he was he was considered for the job last time, but previous director of football, Ivan Gazidis, preferred Unai Emery at the time. That didn't wasn't a project that necessarily worked out, but I mean. You know, there are a lot of pros to this, I think, in that Shadow Guardiola, one of the world's best managers for almost three and a half seasons now. Um, so he'll have picked up a lot, you'd imagine, uh, from the from the uh, from the Spaniard. And he I've I've noticed actually in a few in a few games, Guardiola seems to have uh, paid homage uh, to uh, to Arteta's tactical thinking because there's been certain drills and certain situations where City have scored a goal and Guardiola almost looks um, with 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 awe in his eyes at, at, at Arteta so to, and I think he's given him a few signals and so to say you know what that was fair play you worked on that in training you managed to get that done so it's clear that he's, Arteta's actually been taking a hands-on approach um, whilst in training with Manchester City so he's been helping out where he can um, he's obviously, um, he's obviously an ex-Arsenal player, Arsenal player. So, so he has a feel for the club, yeah, he has a feel for the, club, for the fans. I think there's a lot of re- there's a lot of risk to this, but I think it's a risk worth taking, isn't it, considering where they are at the moment? Well, look, I mean, he is an ex-player, as you mentioned, ex-Arsenal player, ex-Everton player. Um, I was a big fan of him as a player, very skillful player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has had some good taskmasters to learn the manage- managerial trade from. Yeah, look, I mean, Emery got the Gunners to a major final. So it wasn't a complete abortion, to be honest. Um, nope. Would I go for Arteta? Look, it's a tough one. Um, probably not a bad option. Um, no. Nope. But maybe if I was the Arsenal board, uh, Ancelotti may have been my, my first choice. Mm. Yeah. Personally. And, and, um, and, 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 and as I said before, I, I would have thought Everton would have been chasing Arteta. That would be my, exactly. My I was just going to say that. I was just yeah. going to say that it would have seemingly been mm. been appropriate for both clubs to be chasing the other targets. But yeah. there it's you go. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, there you go. Um, and it's something I've just thought of now, actually. But uh, yeah, it's very, 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 very uh, interesting. So just uh, just a quick few um, roundups. Actually, we we. We sort of um, brushed the surface of Barcelona, brushed the surface of Real Madrid, and, and we talked briefly about the El Clasico. But what what way do you see it going? Uh, the big clash of the titans in Spain. Um, you know, Messi having a, another excellent season. Griezmann started to find his feet a little bit. Scored the two two draw um, last weekend against Real Sociedad, uh, and Real Madrid still chipping away. At their heels, I think again, just behind them on goal difference, or just definitely second. I might be getting mm-hmm. confused with uh, Serie A there actually, but definitely second and chipping away at the heels of their great rivals. And obviously, Gareth Bale still, uh, you know, he starts the season so well, and it, but he, you know, mm-hmm. sort of finds himself more on the bench now and <laughs> making publicly clear that he's not in Real Madrid yeah. uh, for the long the, term. For the, the, long, the anyway. whole Wales flag incident wouldn't have endeared him much to the fact. <laughs> no, I mean, I. I mean, I'm not going to open this debate because we could be here for half an hour, but I do, well, I feel it's been a bit harsh how Real Madrid fans have trekked Gareth Bale. I mean, if a player comes to the club and doesn't make an effort to liaise with the fans, doesn't make an effort to learn any Spanish, doesn't make an effort to get the culture of the club, this is one of the biggest clubs in the world, by the way, I do find it hard to be too sympathetic because they say, well, the football can do the talking, but, you know, you're at one of the biggest clubs in the world. I feel like embrace it. I know people say shy, but I know the fans are notoriously quite nasty but how can you expect much sympathy if you don't make an effort with them don't make an effort with the players the players can give you backing but the players haven't really yeah. given him back because anyway we, we don't want to I, I won't open that I'll ask you Andre how, how do you think the uh, what do you think the score will be how do you see the game going briefly well, look 
They're playing in Barcelona, which I think will be an advantage in Catalonia. We know the whole history with the whole Spanish situation. Um, tight one. I, I'm actually going to go for a draw on this one. I reckon 1-1, eh? Um, for some reason, I just get the feeling that Barcelona aren't going to put Real away. I think the result against Sociedad showed us that they still have some work to do. And look, it's a competitive league. There's some good good teams in La Liga. Um, you know, the likes of, of, of Real Sociedad and Athletic Bilbao from the Basque country, two very proud clubs. And I mentioned 1985. It was a strange year. The Spanish league title went to Athletic Bilbao in 1985. Just a little, mm. a little sidebar. Um, yeah, for me, I'm going to go for a draw tomorrow night at, at Camp Nou. Yeah. I reckon 1-1. Yeah. Uh, um I just don't think Barcelona are going to put Real Madrid away. Um, no. I think both clubs, I haven't quite hit their straps yet. No. Um, so for me, it's a tough one to call because, you know, big games like that sometimes, I know in South Africa, just, uh, to give you a quick sidebar, um, mm. the, the, the biggest match is, is the Soweto derby, Orlando Pirates, Kaiser Chiefs. And that's been notorious mm. over the years for producing goalless or 1-1 draws. I don't, yes. I don't quite know why. But um, yeah. my gut feel tomorrow night, just gut feel and based on what I've seen of the teams this season, I'm going to go for a stalemate at Camp Nou. One-one. One-one. That'll be a six. That'll be a six-five now that now that now that you said that. Then um, it always is the case <laughs> of the commentator. But uh, yeah, be, for sure. It can be. But I know it can that, be. As I say, in, in South Africa, that was always if it's Chiefs against Pirates. You predict a goalless draw or one-one draw. For some reason, they would thrash other teams when they played each other. It was always a conservative affair. Um, but I mean, things are changing. I just mentioned Kaiser Chiefs. Leeds United mm-hmm. fans will remember Lucas Radebe, as you called him. He's known as mm-hmm. Hadebe in his mother tongue, Lucas Hadebe. But the former Leeds captain, Lucas Radebe, former Kaiser Chiefs player, and Chiefs yeah. are currently runaway leaders in in uh, South Africa. Well, yeah, clear yeah. to top of the league there. Good stat thrown in there. Very good. And Leeds, of course, not doing too bad in the championship as well. I do hope eventually that they do make it back to the Premier League because I actually think mm. big club, lots of heritage, great stadium yes. with lots of history. I, I'd love to see them. And Marcelo Bielsa, what a man he is. Uh, yeah. But just before we do round off, I touched on uh, Bayern Munich a little bit. Uh, we touched on Leipzig a little bit, be, that them being quite a good team, and that should be a good game with Tottenham in the Champions League. But uh, just a few words on Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. They lost 2-1 to Wolfsburg at the weekend, which was a shame for them, but they are sitting high and mighty at the top of the Bundesliga, and we're nearly at the half-season point. I mean, their story so far has been remarkable, hasn't it? Mönchengladbach were big in the 1970s, maybe when I was a youngster. Um, they were very, very competitive. Sorry, second, and, and, second, yeah, second, second. second and in, I, in, in the 1970s, Mönchengladbach were a real power in the German league. Mm, mm. Um, they had a couple of good seasons about 15, 20 years ago when uh, a notoriously good but temperamental player called Stefan Effenberg played for them. You may be yes. too young to remember Stefan Effenberg. Yes, He's a class yes, player, yes. bit of a topsy-turvy character. Mm. Um, so Gladbach too, they, they've had some fine spells in, in the course mm. of their history. Yes. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, are they going to stay there for the duration of the season? I, I don't no. think so. Well, they've um, slipped second. I mean, Leipzig yeah. as well, the top two, actually. We look at Leipzig and Borussia Mönchengladbach mm. and we look at them. I think most people will just think, when you think of the Bundesliga, you think, oh, Bayern Munich, then Borussia Dortmund, then the rest. But Leipzig mm. and Mönchengladbach, you know, two very good teams. A lot of hatred, actually, for Leipzig, isn't there? I've, I've found out because, obviously, bought by Red Bull. They were a seventh-tier seventh mm. uh, team in Germany, and they've yeah. essentially 
um, not to brush it up in any way, bought their way to the top. But yes. uh, they spent the money well, I think. And uh, I mean, huh? some of the players at Leipzig, uh, you know, Timo Werner, uh, Emil Forsberg, who I used to, who I really liked a few years ago, I thought he'd do a job for a team, some Premier League teams actually. Very uh, creative player. He's done. He's been at Leipzig mm. for quite a while. And uh, they've also got some um, some good centre backs as well. Uh, oh, oh, I always struggle with his name. It begins with a U, and I always. Um, Oh, that sounds, that makes me sound really silly. But they've got two really good centre backs, and I'm terrible yeah. with pronunciation. And uh, they do really, really. They're very promising. One of them's been injured for quite a while this season. They're both mm. actually linked with moves away. Uh, so they spent money well. And I mean, in the Bundesliga, you have to spend your money quite well, don't you? And I think one of yeah. the kings to munch and Gladbach's rising form or you know serious surge to the top now second was that they. They took a chance by, I think they got rid of Dieter Hecking after not too bad a season, and mm. replaced him actually with uh, Marco Rose from RB Salzburg. And mm. uh, that was proved to be, he, he sort of implemented a much more attacking, higher uh, pressing yeah. game on, on uh, Mönchengladbach. Uh, Max mm. Erbel, the sporting director, he signed, he's been doing signing players uh, efficiently for years for Mönchengladbach, and he's he did really well this summer again. Brought in a few players, Briel Mbolo, uh, Marcus Taram, Remy Basabiani, and you know th- those three in particular have made an impact on this Mönchengladbach team, and they've helped them to where they are. Um, I guess for these in Leipzig, they've built themselves quite solid structures that are doing quite well at the moment. They've taken advantage of a Bayern team in transition, and mm-hmm. I'd say a Dortmund team. Uh, it should be. You know, when I looked at the start of the season, I looked at Borussia Dortmund. I thought they won the transfer window. They got Thorgan Hazard, mm-hmm. Julian Brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kept Jadon Sancho. I think they got Paco Alcacer. Permanently got Mats Hummels. Mm-hmm. For, a close me, play. for me, I look at I look at that and think, why are they still treading water and not really assaulting mm-hmm. the top? Like, they, they, I mean, they're still in and around. They could still, in theory, yeah. take the title. But come on, I mean, Bayern up aren't the Bayern that we know yep, and this was not. Dortmund's real chance are they third I find mm-hmm. it baffling but again I, I just drifted off then um yeah I mean you talked about I mean what, what what thoughts on Dortmund and Leipzig then Leipzig now top uh but play Dortmund actually perfect they play Dortmund tonight um thoughts brief thoughts on both teams where do you see them a cracking game. I mean, Dortmund also a club with fine tradition. A former South African international called Dalren Buckley had a few seasons at Dortmund in the Bundesliga, and I chatted to Dalren quite a few times during his time at the club. And he actually mentioned an interesting little sidebar again um, that when Dortmund play against Schalke in the big mm. derby, that in terms of decibels, it is and it was at that stage the loudest derby in Europe. In terms mm. of fan support, Dortmund yes. against Schalke. I imagine. Yeah, look, it's yeah, it, it's an interesting one because you're right. When I looked at the start of the season, I thought Bayern would win the league, and I thought Dortmund would finish second. The way Bayern started the league, I thought, whoa, good chance for Dortmund, and they've also not really hit their straps. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting one, um, a season in which you know, um, Bayern looked to have a soft underbelly, but Dortmund haven't really put the foot down. Um. Leipzig, yeah, they've spent well, eh? Um, that that is a fact. Um, again, for me at this point, if I had to look at Bayern, Dortmund, 
Leipzig and Mönchengladbach. I would say I fancy Leipzig and Bayern more for the title than I do mm-hmm. Dortmund or Mönchengladbach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bayern have the ability and the, the, the quality if they hit their straps to climb their way out of where they are right now. Uh, I think Leipzig have had a couple of good seasons. They have spent well and they've got a good, some really good combinations in the team. Uh, Dortmund and Mönchengladbach for me are not going to win. They could finish second or third. No, no. That's my I mean, just to, anyway, looking yeah, at the watch, you know. Just to touch on that, I mean, the, the centre back that I was looking for, that I was scrambling for, uh, Dayot Upamecano and Ibrahima Kanate. And I mean, Upamecano mm. is literally, I've watched, uh, I've seen him in, in, in moments. Upamecano, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? If you got him on Scrabble, you'd be winning the game. He's got mm. so many uh, letters and he's quite very, very, very long, very long there. It'd be a commentator's nightmare if he came to England. But. Um, a bit like Mkhitaryan when I, when Mkhitaryan first came onto the scene, everyone was oh yeah. crazy. But um, yeah, no, really good young pairing centre back. I mean, Canate has been injured for quite a while, but Upamecano uh, literally linked with Spurs, City, and many of the um, many of the big English clubs and European clubs because he mm. he has this sort of ability. I think it's important you're technically quite good with your feet now, but he has that. He's very quick, very big, very strong. He's got the whole package really, and yeah. um, you know, I think I think the Leipzig team seem to uh, you know. Again, I, I think the Mönchengladbach and Leipzig, as we sort of alluded to, the teams that have bought well, we say Leipzig have been bought yeah. by Red Bull, but they've bought well. You know, they can't compete with Bayern Munich in the transfer window, really. They can't compete with Borussia Dortmund in the transfer window, but they can compete probably along with the best of the rest, like Mönchengladbach, just in that just yeah. in that field below. And they've done really mm-hmm. well, and they've managed to um, compose really good units, both of them. As I say with Dortmund, I, I've always liked Dortmund. I think it's the yellow wall, the Jürgen, the previous Jürgen mm. Klopp affiliation. Uh, and yeah. I, I think the fans are fantastic and the atmosphere that they put together is fantastic. But like I say, in this in this season, Lucy Favreit, I felt there were question marks about him before. Was he the right man to take this, take this team forward? I mean, that is a very, very good team. And the way they played against Bayern Munich after being beat 5-0 the season before, to lose 4-0 against a team mm. that had just sacked their manager. Fair enough, you'd say there's an advantage in just mm. sacking your manager. I'd say they're there, you know, if you sack your manager, there's a bit of confusion maybe still there. Maybe they'd argue it's it, the, the, the the shackles have been released. Mm. But I, when I watched that, I just could have, I just thought, this is soulless, this is pathetic. And, and, and mm. it's like the lessons haven't been learned from 12 months ago. Mm. Obviously, they're higher than Bayern. Obviously, they're in the next round of the Champions League. But and there's also been questionable treatment of Jadon Sancho, who's still performing, but he's been seemingly fallen out with him a little bit. He's been mm. in and out of the side, even though Sancho scored um, a goal in his last six games. I mean, mm. I look at Lucien Favre and think there were question marks about his position before. I do think if he doesn't win the in the Bundesliga this year, then I, I'd really have his position up for question again because, again, as I've for what I've said, I, just, I can't see Bayern winning it. Well, I can because it's the Bundesliga <laughs> and this is what happens. Yeah. But I just think this is such this has been such a good opportunity and it feels like such a good opportunity that would be wasted if they don't mm-hmm. take advantage. Um, I don't know. Am I overestimating Borussia Dortmund's team or you know, do you think would you would you would you defend them? Would you defend Favre or or Favre? Oh, my gut feel is just that they that they're gonna come up short, eh? Uh, if I had to put my money on it, I'd back Bayern or Leipzig. I think Leipzig have been consistent for a couple of seasons. They've they've there's been a, a good upward curve, a steady upward curve at Leipzig from what I've seen. Uh, where Dortmund for me have been a bit up and down. Um, Bayern always a powerhouse. And just based on 
gut feel for me, if I had to choose out of those four teams, uh, I, I'd mm. go with Leipzig and Bayern uh, to, mm. to win the title and Dortmund yeah. and, and Mönchengladbach to finish second or third. Miss, just miss out. That's just my gut feeling on it. Um, I did expect more from Dortmund in the yes. early stages of the season, especially when we saw that frailty from Bayern and Dortmund mm. didn't really put the foot Take down, advantage. which yeah. makes me think that there is just something a mentality Yeah, it could be mentality, but look, they're a big club. They shouldn't be lacking it. They've got no. wonderful support. So, you know, it's not like it's a, a club that should have an inferiority complex. So there, no. There's a lot of things to be positive about. They've been European champions. Um, so for me, I, I just think that they've shown that they can't quite at this stage put their foot on the throat so to speak uh, and yes. I think Bayern can do that uh, they'll take I think heart from their Champions League success and I just think Leipzig have been an upward curve for a long time there's good investment in the club it's a club with ambition uh, and for me at this point I think that Bayern and Leipzig carry bigger punches more consistently than Dortmund and and Mönchengladbach do. Oh, very good I think that's a nice summary as well nice way to end our podcast as well. Uh, big thanks mm-hmm. for Andre for coming on, uh, making his Transfer New Central debut. Um, Appreciate it. Yes, good, good, good. And we'll be hoping to hear many more from you as well. Uh, from me, I mean, I might need to get my dictionary out because my pronunciation and forgetfulness of names was terrible at certain points Mate, today. there's some difficult names. I just want to hop back to a player from Zimbabwe before your time who played for Coventry City. English fans will know him as Peter and Love. In Africa, he's known as Peter and Lovu. And Lovu means elephant for interest. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, but we he do was have. Known as Peter, he was known as Peter and Love at, at Coventry. Yes. Well, we do have some Dumbos uh, about <laughs> that, uh, that, that cannot uh, pronounce certain. I mean, actually, just before we do go, there's a big deal. I call Kevin De Bruyne Kevin De Bruyne, but in actual fact, it's Kevin De Bruyne. Um, his, his correct pronunciation is Kevin De Bruyne um, and I've just gone with the trend really there so maybe I should give myself a slap on the across the face uh, for mispronouncing him the, even though I know that's the, but, but that's a difficult one if I go and I speak to a British audience about mm. Lucas Khadebe they'll yes. wonder who the hell this guy is Yes. if I yes. say Lucas Radebe yes. they'll know it's the former Leeds United captain same with Peter and Lovu if I say yes. Peter and Love People will know it's the former Coventry City striker. If I yes. say Peter and Lovu, they'll have no idea who this guy is. Most likely, unless they're Zimbabwean or a, or another African living in the UK. Well, if you talk to uh, English fans about uh, Ariza Balaga, the goalkeeper, I think it's mm-hmm. best that we refer to him as Kepa. Um, because, uh, <laughs> sometimes it's better that way. <laughs> it, sometimes it's best that way. But anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, be sure to tune in next time when I think it'll be James and Dale running you through proceedings. But for now, from myself and Andre, that's a goodbye from us, I think. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.